Hello and welcome to Calling All Cars from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. Pasadena Police calling all cars, attention all cars, broadcast 104. Go to Columbia and Orange Grove Avenues at once. Be on the lookout for a car with two men. Police be bandits who just robbed the Pasadena National Bank. These men are armed and desperate. That's all. Cost you no more. 
You can get Rio Grande cracked the same price you pay for ordinary gasoline and enjoy police car performance at no extra cost. It is our pleasure now to present Chief James E. Davis of the Los Angeles Police Department. Good evening, friends. I have often emphasized on these programs the necessity for close cooperation between various law enforcement bodies. Tonight, we have asked a man whose cooperation I value highly to be our guest. It is from the files of his police department that the case you are about to hear was dramatized. Friends, it is my great pleasure to present Chief of Detectives Stanley Decker of the Pasadena Police Department. Thank you, Chief Davis. I feel indeed honored to be a guest on Calling All Cars and to have the opportunity to bring to the radio audience of the West a story from our files. The case that you will hear shortly is a vivid proof of the willingness with which your police officers will risk your very life that your property may be preserved and the peace of your community be maintained. When you consider the modest income for which your policeman works, and you consider how little of golden opportunity his occupation holds for him, you may well be amazed at the dangers he is willing and eager to meet on your behalf. If you will pardon my understandable enthusiasm, your policeman is a great fellow, deserving of your highest respect, admiration, and support. March 20th, 1924. Into the Ford Agency and the quiet little town of Alhambra walked a young man, looked at several cars, beckoned to the salesman on duty. Is somebody in the way of transportation? Yeah, I thought maybe you might have a good news job there that wasn't twice too high. I'm only in town for a couple of months. I don't want to spend a lot of dough on a car. Just want something to get around in. And you got something pretty reasonable? Mm, let me see now. I tell you what. I think I've got just the car for you. The 23 Ford. In the very best of condition. New rubber, a fine, paint job. Runs like a million dollars. How much? I'll tell you what I'll do for you. I'll make it $250, and that's a buy. Yeah, probably is, but not for me. I don't want to spend over $100. And you got a car that'll get me around for that price? $100? Oh, of course, that's not very much money, but well, perhaps I can find something. How about that old coupe over there? Looks as though it ought to be around 100 bucks. That automobile for $100? Why, that's a good car. You just spend a lot of money fixing it up. I could let you have it for 175 maybe. No, 100 flat, and that's my price. Doesn't anything to fit my purse. I guess I'll have to look around somewhere else. Uh, oh, wait a minute. Tell me what I'll do. I'll speak to the boss and see what he says. Maybe I can get you a better price on it. I'm going to too much trouble. Oh, not at all. No trouble. If you'd like to look the car over, I'll be back in a minute. Okay. I'll take a look at the boss. Maybe I won't want it after I look it over. Well, you'll be making a mistake. It's a mighty clean job. Looks like it's uh, trying to walk down that truck to see to take the car away. The door works anyway. One of the runs. It's shot, eh? At least you won't have to crank it. It runs. Not good, but good enough to get as far as I'm going. Well, I've got good news for you. The boss says it's okay at $100, and I say that's a real buy. You would. Well, I guess it'll get me around all that. 
If you'll uh, step over to the office here, we can make out the papers. Okay. Right in here. Thanks. You uh, want to pay cash? Yeah, I'll give you a check for it. A check? You haven't got the cash, have you? Of course not. You don't think I'm walking around with a hundred dollars in my pocket, do you? As a matter of fact, I only got in town a little while ago. I haven't even established credit here. You uh, got a check on the local bank? Better than that. Got a cashier's check on the mutual bank in Chicago. It certainly ought to be good enough. Would you mind letting it here? Just a formality, of course. Your boss is kind of particular about our taking checks. There it is. Good as gold. That's the biggest bank in Chicago's failed since I left there five days ago. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Made out for $150. Sure, I don't ever to have one for 100 even. But I figured I could get 50 in cash. Isn't that all right? Well, yeah, I guess so. Check seems to be all okay. Now, if you just sign this receipt here, I'll endorse the pink slip over in the old check. Fine. On this line? That's right. There you are. John Henry complete. Edward Fells, Chicago, Illinois. And here's the pink slip over for it. Thanks a lot, Mr. Fells. I'm sure you'll get a lot of satisfaction out of the car. I hope so. And thanks for getting me such a good price. I won't be back. A check for $150 on the mutual bank of Chicago? That's right, Sergeant. Good morning. Come back, Mark. Not easy to do this thing. Well, I want you to find this man and get my money back. Well, I doubt if you'll have much of it left. We'll try to pick him up for you. Now, if you'll give me a description of the car, I'll start the boys looking for it. It's a 1921 Ford Coupe. What color? Black. The license number is 133745. 133745. All right, Mr. Jones. We'll get after right away. I'll let you know as soon as we get this place. I'm telling you, Adam, if things don't get better pretty soon, I'm going to close up the store. I don't know what's the matter with people. Maybe they don't think anymore. Maybe you need some advertising, George. That fellow makes he says, tell them quick and tell them often. And he says, plenty of gum. Well, there's a lot of difference between uh, something you chew and a can of paint. No, sir, it ain't advertising I need. It's a customer. Well, ain't no use in talking about it. That won't sell no paint. How about a little game of runner? You're on. That is, if I can remember where I put the cards last time we played, I couldn't be somewhere on the standard here. No. I tell you, George, you're getting absent-minded like. I was reading just the other I was reading just the other day about a scientist fellow who says that the American people are losing their natural concentration. Or something like that. He says we all ought to read more. Stimulate the mind. Set up stable Adam while I get stairs. Don't give me the one you did last time. Don't seem like you're falling apart with me or sitting in it. Look, George, you got a customer, maybe. Yeah. Thank you, Mr. Jones. Do you want some things? Yeah, quite a lot of things. I got a couple of barns to cover. Uh, what do you have in mind? Outside things? Yeah, a couple of gallons of that and some good inside enamel, too. Got a lot of brickwork to do. Well, I've got some mighty fine house paint here that ought to do the trick. Uh, what color do you think you'd be wanting? Oh, white, I guess. Yeah, plain white will be fine. Well, here's the best paint i ever seen for a rough work. How much is it? Uh, I see a mark here on the bottom of the can. Uh, Adam, 
I'll try to call him until you can get someone over here. But make it fast. Well, I'll have a couple of the boys over in no time. Okay, but hurry, will you? I don't have to look for this bird, and I'll try to get tough. Don't worry, just call him along. Okay, goodbye. Uh, if you just have a seat, Mr. Bell, I'll have the money over for you in a minute. We've been keeping very little cash on hand here for the last few weeks. There's been a couple of robberies in this district. I just phoned, and the manager will be right over with the money. I haven't got much time. Well, it don't take him too long to get here. Well, I'm sure it won't. He said it was only be a matter of a couple of minutes. Uh, could I show you something in shirts or socks while we're waiting? We have some of the very latest patterns in shirting. Now, here's one with the pin stripes. It's becoming very fashionable this season. I don't want any shirts. Uh, some handkerchiefs, perhaps. I have a wonderful buy in linen handkerchiefs that my dentist do. You just feel the quality of this linen. It's the very best Irish linen to be found anywhere in this country. Yeah. That's all right. I'm going to buy a few of these someday. How much are they? Uh, 75 cents. And that's the fairest price I've ever heard of for real Irish linen. Oh, this is the man, officer. Get your hands up over your head and don't be wasting any time about it. Hey, what's the idea? What's going on here? I think you know well enough. Stick out your wrist. I certainly will not. I haven't done anything. Maybe this will make you change your mind. A little bit of jiu-jitsu, an old Japanese friend of mine got me. Are you coming along peaceful, like young fella? Am I going to have to drag you? All right, you don't have to get rough, I'll go. That's a smart lad. That way, there's no chance of anybody getting bruised up a bit. Come on. Start the week with the Thus, the first chapter of that check passer Edward Bell comes to a sudden close. Sentenced to one to five years in the county jail, he spends less than a month in custody. He's then released on probation. Three weeks later, he's arrested by the Los Angeles police on forgery charges. Then two weeks in jail is dismissed because of lack of evidence. In December 1924, the name Edward Bell again appears on the police slaughter in Los Angeles on suspicion of robbery charges. But once again, the law finds itself unable to gather sufficient evidence for a conviction, and forger Robert Bell walks out of the city jail a free man. December 31st, 1925, Sergeant Coons of Central. Arches a man into the office, marks Los Angeles robbery. Morning, Captain. I brought to that fellow we picked up last night on suspicion of robbery. Yes, uh, thank you, Sergeant. Well, you again, here, Sal. Yeah. You know, Sergeant, there's something mighty funny about this fellow. He's been in here three times now, and within a week or two, he's always been back on the outside. I proved every time I had nothing to do with the rap you're trying to hang on me. Perhaps you proved it, Sal. But I know just as well as you do that you're as guilty as the devil. Why don't you tell your boys to lay off me, Kemp? It's a tough on a guy trying to get a decent job, and every time he walks into a joint, an armful of bulls muscle in through the door and drag him off. You know how it is. I know how it is, all right. Now you listen, Phil. You're heading into a whole lot of trouble for yourself one of these days. I know we can't hold you on this side. Maybe you'll be in two or three more times and walk out again. But one of these days, you're going to find yourself right smack in the center of plenty of grief. Yeah, you think you both are pretty wise guys. You have an idea that someday you're going to frame me and make it stick. Well, there isn't a cop on your force smart enough to get me for keep. How about telling this yes man of yours to let me out of here? Okay, Phil. I'll remember that little speech of yours. Sergeant, show this gentleman. So, Egoist Edward Fell once again walks out of the shadow of jail, mingled with the crowd. Struggles inwardly at the stupidity of the law. 
and the law. 
It's as smooth as knocking that bank over will be. How about it? Well, I'll tell you what it is. Suppose you go see this guy tonight, and I'll meet you here tomorrow and tell you. Okay, Ward. I'll do one of the right things. I'll see you here at 1.30 tomorrow. And here's to us. Yeah, here's to us. Decided as to go, Eddie. I'm so glad to talk. I know you wouldn't. Now, we've got to make a little change in our plans. Hmm? What's the matter? Something go wrong? No, don't look so worried. Now, I got to thinking, my friend, about this cutting stuff. I figured maybe it'd be a better idea if we didn't try that angle. Oh, well, I thought you were all set on it. Sure, I was. The cabbage got the court began to get a little inquisitive last night. Wanted to come over and help me with my car and all that. Put me in a spot, so I figured we'd just better skip him. Yeah, well, what do we do then? We'll stick up the bank. Stop it that way anyway. Walk in early in the morning just as the bank opens and slip the cashier a note. I don't like that idea so much. Listen, Ward, nothing can happen if we work fast. You can wait out in the car and I'll handle the whole stick up myself. All you have to do is do that with the car when I come out and then drive like the devil. Well, all right. I guess if you think it's okay, it's all right with me. I'll still go. Good. I'm going for a drink. Good. Hey, George. Yeah, it? Make it two more and don't forget the scoop. Two more coming up. How about figuring out our move, huh? Sure. When we get away from the bank, we'll head out to that little orange grove. Then... Exchanging gunfire, instruct all available cars and motorcycles to follow. 
Right, those boys are throwing plenty of left. Just cover me. I'm afraid to take a crack of their tires for fear of hitting you again. Yeah, that boy's got plenty of the ball riding up there right behind all that hot plate on the motor. Harry, look. Ewing's hit. He's going to fail. Oh, you're going to stop? No, we're going to stay with him. Somebody will take care of Ewing. I can get a shot of their tires now. Cancellation broadcast 104. 
suspect this case are now in custody. That's all. Calling All Cars is written and produced by William N. Robson. This is your narrator, Frederick Lindsley, bidding you good night for the Rio Grande Oil Company. <laughs>